welcome to Horrorsperia. My name is May. And I'm Clinton. Welcome back, Mr. Clinton. Thank you. We are so happy to have you here with us today. And thank you, everyone, for listening so far, subscribing, rating. I know it's been a while since we've been in the grind, but now we're back. We're back. We're back. And no more traveling for now. No, we're staying put. We're staying right here. We are growing our influence and in educating you about the world outside. Right. We're going to stay right here, but we're going to go visually, mentally all over the globe. Yeah, sure. So. <laughs> you again, know it's true. <laughs> thank you, everyone. Subscribe, rate, do everything that you do. Um, we are so grateful for everything that you have been doing, for sharing it and everything. So we're ready to get started on today. But before yeah. we get started on yeah. today, how are you? I'm doing good. We saw a movie together. We did see a movie together. We saw a couple movies we, together. We, we've seen a couple movies together, yeah. You were gone for a while. I missed you a lot. Thank you. I did a podcast without you. It was interesting, but I did miss your aloofness. Slightly. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good word. Yeah. That's uh-huh. a good word. Yeah, I'm going to put that on my dating profile. Aloof. <laughs> that, it's just that people... one word. That one yeah. word, aloof. And they're like, okay. you know, You're going to miss this aloofness. I saw a really good joke that was like a really great thing to put on your dating profile is likes to get picked up at airports. And I was like, oh, that actually uh, is a good one. Is it? It's not for Not you. for me. Okay. No. I've actually almost broken up with somebody before because they wanted me to pick them up from the airport and it was just too early for that <laughs> you know it's a lot of responsibility it is i guess that's it's fair it's a long long driving yeah so so we have seen each other a lot has happened though i mean like scott walker died uh Scott Walker from... Scott Walker is one of my favorite singer-songwriters of all time. He okay. has a very spooky vibe about him. Oh. But I guess he isn't ex- explicitly what, spooky. What would we know, those of us who don't know Scott Walker? Goodness. I mean, a lot of classics. He's He's been working since the 60s, you know, okay. at the Walker Brothers as well. Um, anyway, so he died. Us came out. We saw Us Reese together. That was the one we saw. We are going to see a foreign film together very soon. We are so excited. This should be out. Uh, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if this will be out by April 3rd. But (laughs) if it is, in case, April 3rd, we're watching Knife and Heart. So excited. French, right? French French gay slasher film. Brand new to us. It it came out in France last year, but and it kind of did festival runs in 2018. So, like, it played New York. But it hasn't now it's being in limited release and I'm pretty positive we're seeing it on film, which is even more rare. Honestly, (laughs) like like you never see a a film on on film Uh nowadays. So very excited. Uh, We will probably do. uh, We we got to do a special podcast for that. I was literally just saying that because it is right on our brand. There's another one out that I've been wanting to talk to you about. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's it's eight. It, it's built it's pitched as eight short films from eight different countries oh, and it's cool. done by the dudes that did or by the people uh-huh. maybe they're girls too um they're done by the people that did the abcs of death 
I haven't seen that, but I, I know what you're saw talking about. it. It wasn't that great, but I mean, oh, I, I have seen it. I have it's just like it. that anthology shit. Yeah, you know? I usually don't like anthologies. Yeah, with one major exception, and I'm going to hold that exception as a secret to the listeners for another day. What? <laughs> no. Yes. All right. Anyway. But I usually don't. No, not really like anthologies. Yeah, it's very difficult. I yeah. say. Like there was one called XX, uh-huh. and it was. A female directed anthology okay. that came out. It was either 2017 and 2018. I really wanted to love it, but I just it, yeah over my head. Yeah, um, yeah. But anyway, so that might be interesting. Remind me to look into that. Okay, coming out. It's right now. It's playing the Alamo in Virginia, and it's an anthology. Do you mention the name? No, we'll get that. We'll get that. We'll, get that. we'll, we'll get edit that. that in right here. The Field Guide to Evil. Yeah. Done. Done. All right. Good memory. (laughs) Okay. All right. So, well, good. So you're good, I guess. Can we just say, without spoiling anything for anyone who hasn't seen us, um, quick thoughts. What did you think? You're putting me on the spot. Yes. No spoilers. It's, um, It's a film that wants to be more than it is. Okay. And I am so happy for its success. I will say that everyone acted the crap out of it but i i will say its direction is one of the weakest points okay um but you know i'm so not i'm not anti thank you for listening um, <laughs> we appreciated we all the support you gave us <laughs> yeah um, no. goodbye forever <laughs> you know um very glad that it's killing it yeah me too i i think we we kind of landed in the same same right. neighborhood yeah. Yeah, um, I don't think this spoils anything, but for me, I've never been the type of person to really care about plot holes a whole lot. Uh, but this one really drove me nuts. Yeah, um, yeah. It, yeah. It's, you know, I, I don't know if I saw, I, I told you this, I, I finally reconciled what it is to me. Okay. And to me, if you like us, you better like all of M. Night Shyamalan's filmography because oh. that it was just an M. Night Shyamalan film for me. Huh. Okay. okay. When really looking back on it, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not really dissing that. I actually do like some M. Night Shyamalan films, but that's really the vibe I got. Gotcha. Down to the very weird plot hole. But anyway, okay. Yeah. No spoilers here. Uh-huh. No spoilers. Go, still go see us. Onward us, and upwards. Yes. Yeah. Us is still. It's fun. It, and it, I think we'll have a big uh, impact. It already has had a big impact. I, okay. He says it's fun. It's I, fun. I, I, I definitely almost fell asleep a few times. Oh my God. We did see a late showing though. I still probably would have fallen asleep. (laughs) My best friend right after. Because actually, we saw it at the AMC in Georgetown. And goodness, those are just beds that they give you. You, You're in beds. And right before we uh, started the film, I texted Delia, my best friend. I was like, they're making it more and more difficult for us to not fall asleep during movies. And then when we got out, she sent me a text that her sister sent Uh saying that, oh my goodness, I fell asleep. Like I almost fell asleep like five times during us. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, let me tell you, sleep isn't the only thing that's happening in movie theaters these days. Those beds like make people want to jump on each other. Really? Yes. I've heard from other people. What? I've had myself 
<laughs> an, an ornery. He's incriminating <laughs> an himself. An ornery date that I thought was going to get me kicked out of the movie theater. No way. Yes. People are really like I almost getting want details now. People are getting comfortable. No, it really. Yeah. And, and you know, before I think I was really for this. Uh-huh. But now after having almost fallen asleep during most of the movies I've seen in theaters, <laughs> I really am starting to think maybe this. This wasn't for the best. Yeah. This We've gotten too we we got too much too comfortable. Too comfortable. Yeah. Um but those those seats are dope. They are. <laughs> okay. And so this is us catching up. Welcome back to the podcast. All right. So, what are we doing today? Today we're doing Latin American countries. Yes, Latin American countries. So this is the first in a series that we're going to be doing. There are 21 Spanish-speaking countries. Two of those are not in Latin America. Specifically, the first is Spain. Spain is not considered Latin America because, obviously, one, not America, and two, they're the colonizers. Equatorial Guinea is not considered Latin America because it's in Africa, but they were colonized by Spain. So definitely hearts out to Equatorial Guinea, Guinea Equatorial. And then the other 19 countries are spread throughout South America, North America, Central America, and the Caribbean. So let's try. So we named Spain. We named Equatorial Guinea. Let's mm. try and name all 21. Okay. Can so, I go first? So yeah. I get a couple we'll trade of off. Low-hanging fruit? Yeah. Well, not nobody's low-hanging fruit here. Yeah, nobody's low-hanging fruit. Mexico. Puerto Rico. El Salvador. Guatemala. Honduras. Argentina. Costa Rica. Paraguay. Dominican Republic. Cuba. Haiti. Haiti's not one. Damn. You're so stupid. <laughs> it's right there, though. Um, yeah, we're, they're part of the Caribbean, um, but they speak French. That's true. Yeah. Um, you made me lose my train of thought. Colombia. Colombia. Um, okay. I'm they, starting to run. Chile. Run Chile. Uh, Venezuela. Bolivia. Venezuela. We're almost there. Okay. This is the part where we're um, like gonna forget. Uh, we said Costa Rica. You say Bolivia. You said Bolivia. Yeah. We did we say Panama? Panama, Panama. right? Right. We didn't. You didn't say Panama. I don't think. But Panama. Can one, you right? say Panama? I don't know. Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, Uruguay. Uh, Uruguay. Paraguay. We said Paraguay. Paraguay. <laughs> I'm, I'm. This oh. is this is so embarrassing. Chile. Oh, Ecuador. Mm-hmm. Wow, but B- Bolivia. I don't know. We if said, said Bolivia about three okay. or four times. By all right, that okay, <laughs> roughly about time. I know that we missed one, and I we am are so sorry. sorry. It is not because you're not important. We're gonna come. We'll come and visit. <laughs> As a uh... anyway, so there are 21 Spanish-speaking countries, mm-hmm. and I we really nailed them all. <laughs> <laughs> And I, as as we have discussed before, I am a Spanish teacher as well as being a film academic. And it's always been very important to me to reveal aspects of all of those cultures. Even though I'm just Puerto Rican, I definitely feel strongly connected to all Spanish-speaking countries because we do share a lot in common, even though we have very different histories. And so when I started teaching Spanish, actually... There is, in one of my classes, there's a segment on where we talk about films. And I created a, like, cinema industry kind of thing for them. And I really liked doing it. I thought it was uh, really interesting because the fact of the matter is, 
unlike Korea or Japan or even, you know, Europe, especially Spain and certain other uh, waves throughout the world, there isn't really a Latin American wave. And I think a large reason of that is one, every single country's history is so different. So you have neighboring countries, but they have extreme differences in how they've been able to develop socially. I mean, just speaking on personal experience, I can take Puerto Rico and Cuba. Yeah. They had two. Did we mention Cuba? Yes, we did. Okay. <laughs> they had two very different uh reactions out of the spanish-american war uh -huh. cuba was able to get liberated but they went into communism puerto rico became a colony mm -hmm. for until now we're still a colony yeah and there are many different opportunities exposed because of that and that's just one example we can okay. do this with everyone so it's been very interesting that except for i want to say mexico and spain i think uh -huh. those are the two exceptions which are what do you mean by they are the exceptions oh they they're, they're exceptions to what i'm about to say yeah. <laughs> they're the exceptions to the fact that there isn't really a thriving genre cinema swallowing that 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 has ever reverberated out of latin america oh, okay there there's always kind of exports you know and, yeah. and specifically the most famous exports actually have been from mexico mexico and you know we know that from like yelmo del toro and everyone so you know mexico really has always had a very strong relationship to uh genre cinema exploitation cinema but the rest of latin america has just struggled to really obtain like an autonomous film industry. There are basically six exceptions, though, to the film industry rule. All right. Um, so do you want to try and guess some of the countries that have thriving film industries? Chile. Chile. Uh, I gave you one, Mexico. Mexico. Okay. And Spain. Does Spain, that count? yeah. We'll six? count Spain. Okay. So we got three more. Three more. I'm going to guess it's not Papua New Guinea. It's not Papua New Guinea because they're not part of it. <laughs> I will say one of them is Brazil. They're Brazil. Portuguese speaking, well, but they're count? part of Latin America. They okay. are part of Latin America, but they're Portuguese speaking. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, yeah. Ooh. Two more. Two more. Not Puerto Rico. No, not Puerto Rico. Not Puerto Rico. Uh, not Dominican. I can do a bunch of not. Argentina is okay. one of them. And Uruguay actually has a pretty good. Ooh. Yeah. One of the most famous uh, remakes. Remember Silent House? Yes. Yes, that was originally, that was originally... an Uruguay film. Oh, cool. Yeah. And and they did the whole single take and everything. So Like the whole movie was a single take? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Whereas the one in America was that. a fake single take. Okay, well, I think both are good, you know? No, yeah. You can actually... fake it for me. I'll be fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but also, I'm excited to see the original. We gotta. We'll, I'm sure we'll have a podcast about that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe so we're going in podcast. alphabetical order. So today we're going to do um Argentina, Bolivia, Colombia and Chile. And we're going to talk about their relationship with genre cinema, how's it going over there and everything. So this is going to be the first of a few we should probably get this in about 5 episodes, I think. To and get fully through all the Latin American All the all all the Spanish speaking countries. Spanish speaking, Spanish -speaking okay. countries. Cool. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. we're going to break it up a little bit. So we'll do some today. Yeah, then... some today. We'll probably wait a little bit for the next one, but this is something especially as someone who's Latina and someone who is who prides herself on being a horror academic, I really want to 
discuss the evolution of genre cinema between all of these countries because we are still all intrinsically connected through language and to be fair through the colonization aspect we do have a lot in common through that so it'll be very interesting to see how different things have manifested throughout these countries very cool very cool I'm how ready. do you feel about it i'm ready to w ride the wave okay but or as they would call it buena onda Went on there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, you know what? Let's do a 60 second countdown. All right. I'm going to try and do a 60 second summary of the film industries of Argentina, Bolivia, Colombia, and Chile. Okay. I expect to fail miserably mm -hmm. and it'll be great. Okay, so I don't have my phone timer with me, so I'm going to okay. use my brain. No, you're I'm not going to use your brain. <laughs> you're going to use my phone timer. Okay. Give me a second. All right. Three, two, and you're going to go on... Okay. Three, just, two, one, go. <laughs> all right. So everyone, all of these countries, the France basically brought over cinema tax into South America. So today we're doing Argentina, Bolivia, Colombia, and Chile. All of them are in South America. So they all roughly started in 1896. These French people would set up cinema tax in a lot of the major cities. So in Argentina, it was Buenos Aires, uh, Barranquilla, Bogota. Uh, and then what would really happen is it then what would happen next is that there would be differences depending on civil war. So Colombia, for example, had a civil war really early on in the century. Uh, Bolivia's never really took off. And in Chile, they also had a lot of strife. But in Argentina, it took off pretty well. There was a golden age of cinema in Argentina from the 1930s to the 1950s. Another thing to really mention here is that all of these countries, unlike the United States, usually have a government film fund. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, done. Okay, fine. But you did pretty good. Now, yeah. did you say that they're the French? Yeah. Brought these things? So the French brought Cinematex to South America for Cinematex, the most part. and that's like a movie theater? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this okay. was 1890s, you know, and, and so they would bring all of their equipment. They would be like, look at this film about a train coming to the screen. Oh, okay. And so based on that, then it would... Uh, developed differently. So like I said, Argentina pretty much took off immediately. And Argentina is okay. one of the strongest film industries. Uh, like I said, they had a golden age that kind of coincides with the American golden age, 1930s and 1950s. But then what happened in Argentina is they had an oppressive regime. They had the Perón regime. Perón, okay. So from about the 50s until 1983, there was a lot of civil war around that time. It was La Guerra Sucia. And so there was... The Dirty War? Yeah, the Dirty okay. War. There were very few films being produced in Argentina around this time. But then in 1983, when democracy was reestablished, it took off. And there were film funds being uh, established. And so Argentina has pretty much really honed in on mm -hmm. getting a really healthy film industry, which makes sense. And that's know? one thing before I interrupted you with the uh the buzz um of the 60 seconds was that you were saying that uh a lot of these movies a lot of foreign movies and countries have funds for right. they help and that's something exactly. that you see as a viewer because they always have at the beginning and the yes. end you know this was 
yeah. partially funded by yeah. or whatever, whatever. And I always think that's so cool yeah. that your government could help you make something. Yeah, cool. especially it, yeah, especially when it has nothing because you know the closest thing that we have in America is maybe PBS, and uh, it always has to be you know it always needs to have a slant. Yeah, it's like here's a crayon factory. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Whereas that no, was the last time I watched PBS. <laughs> for for the most part in Latin America, you could, and I'll even talk about this when we talk about certain films. Uh, you can just make almost you can pitch you can anything and yeah. and they'll make it yeah um like for example there was a controversy in chile because chile won the best oscar the the best foreign language film uh-huh. and they for, won it. what do you remember what it was it was yeah una mujer fantastica okay. uh, a fantastic woman okay. and there was a big controversy when it happened because it was funded through the government and everything but lgbt rights in chile are notoriously horrendous okay like there are barely any protection especially uh, una mujer fantastica centers on a transgender woman there is really no protections for transgender people. Yeah. I, it's changed a little since then. Uh-huh. Um, but when it came out, there was a lot of government support for this film to do well. Uh-huh. And the art, the the star of the film was like, I mean, you guys are hypocrites. Yeah. You know, like... And you, this wasn't the star... She, she uh, was oh, transgender. Oh, she was? She was oh, okay. transgender. Okay. She was transgender. She was like, you know, you guys are, are hypocrites because, yeah. you know, now that we're only being talked about in Hollywood... Do you want to go ahead and and say that, oh, we need to treat transgender people right? But you don't, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of rare for certain productions to get turned down. It, it is kind of a thing where South America does want the prestige of of foreign language films. Yeah. The one exception to this. So Chile has a fund. Obviously, the Colombia has a fund and the only one that doesn't have a fund of the ones that we're going to talk about today is Bolivia. Okay. Bolivia is very different in that their infrastructure is a lot smaller. And also Bolivia is the only Latin American country with an indigenous majority. An interesting thing about Bolivia, the film industry didn't really take off until the 20s. And then when the 20, in the 20s when it took off, it was really indigenous filmmakers making things, which is great. Yeah. But so what happened is, Bolivia did create a film fund around the 40s. They created one around the 40s and it lasted 12 years. And the reason why they discontinued the film fund is that they thought that the films were empowering the indigenous people too much. Because here's another fun fact about Bolivia. Only until I think it's 2013. I'm probably wrong, but very recently, like in the last 10 years, in the last 10 years, despite having an indigenous majority, there have only been white Bolivians running the country. And so in 2013, they elected the very first indigenous president, Evo Morales. And right now he's in a lot of trouble. (laughs) But I mean, when he was first elected, it was a really big boost for for the deal. Yeah, yeah, it it was a big deal at the time. And so. This kind of gives you pause, especially when you think, oh, okay, yeah, Bolivia, they have they've always had an indigenous majority, but they shuttered the film fund, never restarted it because they didn't want the indigenous folk to get too bold ideas. Right. So we're not watching a film from Bolivia today, one, because of that fact. And two, there are very, 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 very few Bolivian horror films that I was able to find. And when I did find them, they were made by white Bolivians and they were mostly based on Anglo stories. And I thought about 
we that maybe we could watch one but i was like something about it does not like to me it's almost like colonizing an identity you know i like there's there's nothing about those films that scream bolivian to me Mm -hmm. and the rest of these films even though and and we'll discuss how we feel about them even though they may not be like oh argentina pride whatever blah blah blah. i still think that every single one of these films that we saw today have things intrinsic to them that connects them to the culture okay whereas when i looked up these bolivian films they felt like spanish-made films made in bolivia landscape and actually Mm -hmm. a lot of horror films do go shoot in bolivia but there there hasn't really been a genre resurgence in bolivia so that is why they're going to be omitted today all right maybe someday we'll pick them up pick them back up maybe i I don't know maybe as soon as you tell me i can't do something then i want to do it (laughs) it's like now i'm like oh i kind of want to see what this movie is yeah yeah no yeah i'll tell i mean one is called olaya okay another one is called maleficum Another one is called Bala Bazaar. Okay. They're made by the. I mean, the cool thing is they are made by two female directors. That's but like cool. I said, they're they're white Bolivians. I mean, if you're Bolivian, you're Bolivian. Uh, but again, it's just kind of you know knowing the the history of Bolivia. Yeah. It's kind of like watching a Haitian horror film, but it was made by white Haitians. Yeah. I I don't I don't really know how representative that is of their country. You know, to me, that's representative of a very specific perspective within the country. So that's why I am very careful about the films that we did choose today. Okay. so can I say one thing? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I just want to inflect or uh, take a moment and push that idea that, you know, the film fund was discontinued in Bolivia because they were afraid that it was giving the indigenous people too much power and that really speaks to the power of cinema and movies it does you know absolutely thank you for reiterating that yes because that's essentially what we're really looking at here because we chose three films uh we're going to talk about whether we like them or not but whether we did like them or not they are definitely influenced by the culture that they're in and i think it is really sad but in a way almost beautiful that there was such an indigenous resurgence when when the Bolivian film industry existed within those 12 years because they were ready to tell their stories. Yeah. And that is international. You know, even I a really great thing that one of my favorite actors has ever said is that the more specific your work is, the more personal it will be to people. And I think that that is so true. I think if you speak a, a very singular vision, mm-hmm. a lot of times you think, I don't know how anyone can relate to it. They'll relate to it because it's genuine. Yeah. They'll relate to it because there's emotion behind it. The things that we don't relate to tend to be the things that are so broad that we're just like, what does, who cares? Yeah. You know, except for when it comes to memes, I feel like a lot of memes are just <laughs> like that feeling when you brush your teeth, you know, and then it's like, ah, you know what I'm talking about? Leave it to Clinton <laughs> to bring this back to memes. But, you know, yeah, I kind of. Yeah. So. um, So, yeah. So we're going to get started today. We're going to get started in chronological order. So the first film that we're going to see is called in Spanish It's called Sangra Eterna. In English, it's called Blood Eternal blood. Eternal blood. blood. (laughs) Yeah. It and yeah. So a bit about the 
this is Chile. So this is a Chilean film. So a bit about the Chilean film industry. It's thriving. It recently just won an Oscar. They've had a fa- foundation. It's called Fond Art okay. since 2003. So it's had one on and off. So the thing about Chile it kind of had a slow start. There was this movement in the 60s that's very analogous to the French New Wave called Third Cinema. And this was throughout Central, uh, this was throughout South America, Central America, and even parts of Europe, parts of Africa, because Third Cinema represented a cinema that went against the grain. They were against Hollywood stereotypes or against Hollywood narratives. It was an experimental movement. Cool. So a lot of the countries, a lot of the Latin American countries were parts of it, were, were a part they of it. They took place in that. Or yeah. Took part in that. So it, this was like 60s to 70s, which was where there was a lot of strife everywhere. Um, and so Chile was part of that. But what happened is in 1973, there was a military coup and the Pinochet regime took over and the Chilean film industry halted. It halted all the way until the 90s when the Pinochet regime eventually toppled over. And then that's when there was an easier influx of uh, films. films yeah. A really fun fact that I know that you're going to like. Okay. Can you probably know the most famous Chilean filmmaker? Yeah, I probably do. Do you want to guess? Um, Chile. I'll, I'll give you one hint. Okay. You actually already name checked him on accident. It was during our vampire episode. Mm. You said that Werner Herzog directed this film, but he didn't. Holy Mountain? Yes. Alejandro Jodorowsky. Oh. Alejandro Jodorowsky is one of Chile's most. He's from Chile. He's, he's from Chile. What? And for a second, I thought about doing Santa Sangre, but Santa Sangre, which is a great film. Uh-huh. Um, the Santa Sangre isn't set in Chile. Okay. So a, a couple of criteria for these films, because there are a lot of films, like I said, set in these other countries. Like, I think Green Inferno, the Eli Roth movie, was set in Chile. And that's probably one of the more better known films set in Chile. And technically features chileans but it's not made by a, a chilean person yeah. and i and do, do we know who eli roth is from is he he's american he's american yeah obviously okay. <laughs> yeah yeah he's american uh and so yeah and so it, it was really important to me that these films are set in in set these in the country set in the country made, and yeah. made by these country gotcha. and made by the country so that is why so we, Werner herzog no is that his name? Alejandro Jodorowsky. Alejandro Jodorowsky. Sorry, brother. Sorry, brother. But he, he is one of my favorite directors. He is an OG. I love him. Okay, so let's get started on Eternal Blood. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Okay. Empezó como un juego. Pensaron que era fantasía. Hasta que uno descubrió la verdad.
eterna. Solo en cines, este 31 de octubre. All right, and so that was a bit of Sangre Eterna, Eternal Blood. So this film is from 2002. It is directed by Jorge Olguin. It was made for only $500,000. And it is about vampire tabletop gamer goths that get involved with real vampires. A fun fact. Or do they? <laughs> it's a little bit of a... A little bit of a cat and mouse game. You don't quite know who's a vampire, if there are vampires, the whole time. And I kind of like that about it, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So And it it all is very hyper-stylized in that early 2000s. It definitely is like Queen of the Damned meets the faculty meets... A telenovela. Mm-hmm. It's okay. definitely, it, it does have that extraness to it. Um, and one thing that we do want to let you know, so a lot of these films may be difficult to find, this one included. So this one is only available on DVD in English and a dub that does not let you choose any other language in the English dub, which is the one that we saw. For the record, we had to see this two times that is how kind of laborious this film is no no halt <laughs> i would i would suggest that the 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 problem lie with us because he does have my, a point i love this now that we've now that i've fully watched it um <laughs> i will reveal about myself that the first time i watched this i was under the influence of the legal drug marijuana and I thought that that might make it fun, you know, a little funner. But my experience with weed is that it never makes it funner. It just makes me confused and tired. This movie was extremely hard to watch high because <laughs> the dubbing was atrocious. And the it still is atrocious, by the way. No, I just I disagree. But then the subtitles were wrong. Oh, yeah. So Another thing, really... if you're like, okay, well, maybe let's watch subtitles to see what will happen. They are completely not related. So they're not, they're going in the wrong direction. Yeah. And if you try to watch that and your brain is in already in an <laughs> altered state, you're going to have a bad time. So to combat Clinton's appeal, I fell asleep during the first 20 minutes. And I'm not going to lie to you, when we rewatched it, I almost fell asleep again during the first 20 minutes. (laughs) But, you know, I I do think that this is a really interesting film to talk about. It is one of the highest grossing horror films in Latin America. So the fact that its distribution is is kind of very poor is, is really interesting. One thing I found out is there is a sequel in the makes right now. I, I couldn't find that much more information about it, but it yeah. did so well that there's a demand for a sequel. Well, let me tell you, folks, May might not have the the popular opinion on this one. Okay, I didn't think it was boring. I loved it. It's so if you have if you have goth friends. You're going to love this movie. I'm a goth. <laughs> You're a goth. So why didn't you love this movie? Because it was so <laughs> 
stupid. Like, it was just like, I, you know, I, when me and Clint were watching it, I was so bored that I was reading reviews. And I was like, I, I found one that I really liked. And it was like, the first 40 minutes are riveting, which, you know, okay. But then it's like, and then after it, it just, like, there's this goth party scene that takes 25 minutes where about three things happen. Let me tell you something. I've never been to a goth party. <laughs> I have. Where, no, I've never been to a goth party where I wa- where I was like, oh my god, this goth party is taking too long. No, I'll take. <laughs> I'll watch a five hour goth party movie. It is this movie offers so much stylistically. It's it has so much flavor in it, um, and it and it doesn't. has a it has a good moral. You know, it does. Yes. The What's mor- the moral? The moral, there's a couple possible morals. Okay. Moral number one. Okay, go. So it has this role-playing game element to it. Right. Which is always cringy in movies. Like It was cringy here. It was cringy here. <laughs> um, but so one of the morals is if you're the dungeon master. Right. Okay. Is the, the danger of trying to control too much. Okay. Okay. The, not- the next moral <laughs> is that. You be goth, you know. Be goth, but don't be too goth. Oh yeah, there it definitely like circumscribes some kind of like morality to gothness. All right, you could definitely go down that goth hole, and then come out, you know, kind of messed up. If you go down too far, it also like it portrayed <laughs> marijuana <laughs> use in it. such a weird way. They were like, "Yeah, let's smoke a joint," and then they smoke a joint, and suddenly they're on acid. Right. Well, I think that I mean those were two different drugs. They they did ha- take the acid. They didn't take or, acid or ecstasy. Yeah, they, they did. didn't take they ecstasy. Did. Okay, one person was reading reviews <laughs> about the movie, and the other one was watching it very closely. They take these little pills. All right, um, fine. Which I thought were ecstasy, but you're right; they're probably acid. I, I don't it's just um, the just the fact that that's unclear because like, which brings me to the third moral, <laughs> oh God, okay. which is much like rent and the HIV crisis. I think this movie talks about the ecstasy and the goth community. I am. Um, <laughs> it's true. So, so you know what? I'm going to I'm going to tell you what inspired the director, because I actually have his own words here. Okay, great. I can't All wait right? to hear my own words read back to me by the director. He said that this film was really based on the European cinema, specifically Celtic and Anglo lore. So I really wanted to know, you know, where his inspirations came from. But it was, you know, ra- rather traditional. He, he was trying to make a traditional vampire film. And so when they, a- so they also asked him, because genre cinema there are a couple Chilean horror films, but it, it it's not really this great wealth. Like, this is from 2002. There have been uh, quite a few since then, but I wanted to choose this one because it was so significant to the genre popularization. So the director, Jorge, he specifically said from the 70s to 2000, there were no genre films but i was always really inspired by genre films i wanted to make a genre film so he specifically is a genre director and a really fun fact this is one of guillermo del toro's favorite movies oh my god yes my man yeah and so ever since this film there has been a resurgence of uh genre horror films in chile Chile. yeah yeah so there are quite a few like there there were a few released in the last few years um, that we didn't watch, but I wanted to watch this one because of its significance. And I mean, even though I didn't really love it, I, what I did like about it is that 
um, there's still a really strong sensibility of Chile in it. So it's obviously shot in Chile. There's not, you know, a lot of direct references to Chile per se, but just how they go about their culture every day. Like she kind of has non-goth friends that are like, well, you're such a freak, you know? And, yeah. and, you know, there's the university setting. Her mom is like, oh. her mom is like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Um, so I, I really like that he was able to just set it. He, he, he was inspired by all of these Western influences. Sure. But he really was connected to, you know, his country and being able to make it that way. Also, if you speak Spanish, we found out that it's all on YouTube in the original language. And I'm almost a little mad that we didn't watch it in the original language. Because yeah. just from the like two minutes that I saw when I found it, I was like, this makes a little more sense. Because yeah. the dub is just it's porno. It, it's a porno dub. We're not kidding. Yeah. I There's like forgot how said every other minute yeah. yeah and yeah. i'm like there's no like we don't say fuck that often like really? yeah um yeah I, I for people that are into that like kind of campy quality of the bad dubs it is uh, it is one of the top bad dubs bad i've dub. ever seen yeah and, well and it's also i never realized before how it sounds like everybody is white like they just yeah no everyone sounded white yeah, yeah everyone they everyone sounded white give anyone an accent or the anything, the main or... guy sounded like he was just doing a straight up keanu reeves impression he yeah. was like so we have to go we have to find our we have to find carmilla he's like i'm the master I'm the, yeah <laughs> I'm the master. that's a good one and the girl's that's a like good one. What's a master? And, she, and he's like, and he, yeah, he's it's like, what I am. Yeah, they give the squeakiest voices to the gods. They're like, yeah. what's a master? Yeah. Just, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, um, I got a qu- couple questions for you. Go ahead. What do you think of the soundtrack? The soundtrack was actually pretty good. Did, um, the soundtrack, by the way, was all uh, Spanish-speaking metal. And I thought that that was really cool because I think it, it would have been really easy to just license off you know, English, because I mean, that's essentially where his influences came from. But no, that was actually one aspect. I I, thank you for bringing that up. That was one aspect that I really liked that really brought it to the culture for me. And I thought it was interesting that they would cast Billy Joe Armstrong as the lead and not use any of his music. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Fair point. No. Yeah. Everyone. It was definitely like some insane like Panic at the Disco. And like I like I could see the mood board in the in the the horror makeup. They're like, ah, yes. El Billy Joe Armstrong. (laughs) Y tenemos aquí el Brendan Uri. Yeah, no, totally. Totally. Yeah, Yeah, I saw it. I thought I thought the um, the costumes and effects were awesome. Oh, but I thought that he was really in love with this one horrible. Oh no, it the, was good. It was not good. The outfit, it was like oh, Harlequin. It was like goth Harlequin. Dude, but it looked like out the insane asylum. It was cool. No, it was not cool. She wasn't really watching closely. <laughs> okay. Um, one other thing, uh, I have a question for our listeners. Anyone out in Chile? Yeah. Um, I have a question about a snack that was consumed during this movie. Oh no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is so na- This is probably the nastiest part. And we saw some like people get ripped up. We saw a head. A head gets ripped. We literally off and, and drank. She drinks it. She oh, drinks. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. This happens in like the first twenty minutes, so not too much of a spoiler. Right. Right. Um, and just to give you some more, you know, 
Insanity anyway, so me. explain the sand, the just disgusting okay, I, thing. I, I, okay, well, I'm not as judgmental, okay? So I recognize this is an international podcast, okay? <laughs> so I have an open mind about these things. Um, so yeah, if you're from Chile and you could help help us out here, it looks like a tomato sandwich with ketchup and mustard liberally applied to like some flat circular bread. Um, it didn't look too tasty. It looked like the nastiest thing I've ever seen in my life. I want you to hit me up and change my mind. Let me know. Tell me. <laughs> tell me what I'm missing. Yeah. So um, this is Sangre Eterna. So, you know, it was very influential. Um, he even said that, you know, the film, I mean, it, it wasn't one of the highest grossing films just in Chile. It was the highest, one of the highest grossing films in Latin America, period. So, you know, it, it definitely had a resonance outside of Chile. And I think it, that to me is a really cool part. That to me, I, I really like that you can see the influence of something you know, uh, take off and, and give people the idea that, hey, we can also make genre films. We don't have to make dramas or right. comedies or anything. Right, right. And they can knock it out of the park. God bless Sangre Eterna. <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts? <laughs> um, I'm just surprised that I like this movie so much. I, I am too, because <laughs> I think your first impression was right. <laughs> nah. All right. Yeah, second watch, it's even better. Oh, shut up. Okay, so <laughs> next we're going to do El Paramo. The squad. Squad. So that was a bit of the squad, El Paramo. So we're going about 10 years later. This is a Colombian film uh, made in 2001 by Jaime Osorio Marquez. And it is about a squad of soldiers gone to investigate a base in Colombia. So it's set in Colombia. The soldiers are like a mixture of Spaniard and Colombian um, but still very specific to Colombia made by a Colombian person. And yeah, so what so, did you think about this one? Oh boy, <laughs> can we just we just go right into what we thought? Yeah, this. Or film, should, we, should we break it down? Um, should we do a plot synopsis first? It might. Be I mean helpful. that that I mean that that's pretty much a plot synopsis. A squad of soldiers. A squad of soldiers. Yeah, I mean they they find they they like find this witch uh-huh. in a way. Yeah. Or or they think she's a witch. I mean she's a woman. 
She's yeah, they find a woman. They find a woman in the base that is clearly severely abused and immediately they want to kill her. They They're say like, it's got to be a witch. No, that literally like they don't they don't think oh, war victim or anything. They're like, "Nope, she's a witch." Yeah. Well, yeah. she must be here. She they must have abused her for a reason. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. yeah, there's just a lot of just really straightforward anger in this film. That a lot. I mean, I know they're soldiers, maybe repression, but yeah. there was one. So I, I read a review that was like it, it's very it's very similar to the Blair Witch Project because it's centered around a nothingness. It's centered around a nebulous concept of fear. Yeah. And I think that is whether you like it or not, that is a really good way of summarizing this film. Because, you know, you they, they meet this witch creature or whatever, but then one of them lets the lets her go because they're not insane and, and yeah. they're like she's she you know, like she she like checks out to me. Looks yeah, she's like she checks like out woman. to me, she's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Then they all kind of just start like mysteriously dying. Some of them kill each other on purpose, some of them don't kill each other on purpose. Mm -hmm. And then and then yeah, it has kind of like just this weird abrupt ending. Um, yeah, I just, I don't think this was that great of a film. I did appreciate the fact that, you know, one thing, it's funny, the interview that I read of Jaime is more interesting than his entire film. So they asked him again, genre cinema in Colombia, by the way, is not that great. So unlike in Chile, where like this film smashed in 2002 and like now there's been a pretty steady flow of genre films. Mm -hmm. Colombians aren't really into like there isn't that much of a horror resurgence there. Yeah, a can, lot I, can I answer one thought too, and yeah. that's that when I'm let's say searching on Netflix and I see a Latin American production, right? It's about drugs. Yes, exactly. So thank you because that's exactly what I'm going to tie into. So they asked him because he has now done two horror films. I mean, the other one isn't a horror. He he built it as a thriller, um, but. They asked him, like, your films are very centered on fear, whether they're a horror, whether it's a thriller. What does that mean to you? He specifically said he's he said that growing up in Colombia in the time that I did, which basically Pablo Escobar time, he's like being being Colombian is very intrinsic to having fear all the time. And I thought that that was actually a really nice way to kind of put his film into context because I could actually see that I yeah. could definitely see. Because nothing really happens in, in El Paramo. That's especially kind of, in the beginning. Especially in most of it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Just, I do think that it kind of turns a corner and then stuff starts happening towards the end. Like a later, later half of the movie. Yeah. But yeah. The, and actually, one of my thoughts on the beginning was that you've got this like maybe 20 minute start where you have soldiers in Colombia and... There's nobody shooting at them. Right. So they you can't build the tension that way. Yeah. But there's just supposed to be tension. Right. And as a viewer, it didn't it didn't work for me. It didn't work for me either. Because it yeah. to me just looked like like a sci-fi channel production where everyone's really running around with a gun, but no one's shooting it. Yeah. And there isn't even. Yeah, the first 20 minutes is just like fog. Yeah. So, <laughs> but but it, with the context of if I, maybe if I grew up in Pablo Escobar, Colombia and like maybe I would feel that fear right off the yeah, bat. Yeah, yeah. Even though yeah, because it's definitely you. You can definitely tell it's. I mean, it's it's in the jungle. They are yeah. in the jungle, so you definitely you you setting is very important to to this film, and I think it it's successful in that way. And I do think it does a really good job of 
showcasing its Colombian sensitivities. Now, whether it's a good film, that's something completely different. But I was able to kind of appreciate that, especially. And especially, as you said, you know, when you do see Colombian productions, it is based basically on that romantic time. I mean, that's what it is. Even And even now, I think when I actually taught your class, I even showed some of this. A lot of the Colombian uh, exports, it's very much centered on like this very specific image of like plastic surgery and, and drama mm-hmm. and, and everything. And I, I could appreciate how... Jaime really wanted to center a film on just this nebulous concept of despair. Yeah. Yeah, I like it more having that context. Right. I actually thought based on the cover, right. I thought it was going to be about zombies. I did too. Did you? I totally expected zombies. Yeah. I was like, the squad, okay, I can see it being like a zombie squad. But I mean, I don't even, I don't even know if there was an antagonist. I don't know either. Yeah. Um, it's one of those. And, and honestly, after reading the reviews, I, I think that's the point. I think uh, yeah. I, I don't think it's ever clearly defined what we're supposed to be afraid of. So if those things are kind of interesting to you, then, you know, definitely watch. It's on. It, this one's a little easier to find. It's on Amazon if you want to pay for it, which all of these films, they whether you like them or not, I really do think that they deserve your money. It was like four dollars on Amazon, so that's how you can see it. And it's not, it's 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 watchable. It's not like a, a real challenging movie. Yeah, it's it's not that exciting, but it's not it's not super dense either. Hang in there. I it'll, I it'll start moving. <laughs> I do think you know if you are supremely bored by the first 30 minutes, then you're, then it's not going to hook you. Right. It's not going to hook you. But I mean, you know, I, I think it, it's interesting to watch it for this merit. And when, even when you like go on Google and you Google scariest movies from Latin America, a lot of the horror community really does think that this is a classic still uh, after all these years. So I, I think that's interesting. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I wanted to mention, not directly related to this film, is so the Colombian film industry, let's kind of backtrack a little on it. So like I said, there's not really a, a genre cinema in Colombia. And so what happened with Colombia in 1897, so they started the film industry, but then a civil war almost basically immediately started and it lasted a very long time. But then in the 50s, a very famous Colombian author tried to spearhead a resurgence of the cinema. Do you want to guess who it was? Uh, no. G- Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Ooh, like the most famous name. The most famous yeah. Colombian author. Yeah, so I thought that was really interesting. Their film fund started in 2003 as well. It's called The Law of Cinema. So yeah, so over the next 40 years, things would keep getting shuttered in and out. They were also part of the third cinema. Their their movement was called Porno Miseria, which means misery porn. Uh, so that is what their third cinema movement was called. Oof. Yeah. And then ever since the 70s onward, you know, especially due to government changes, there were film funds shuttered in and out. But now this one in 2003 has lasted a long time. Um, it was called misery porn. Uh, though that was the that was the that was, that was the, the, the third wave the third cinema sounds like my Twitter feed. Oh no, porno miseria, porno miseria, porno miseria. Yeah. It, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, that, so that's a bit of a squad, you know, it's, um, again, it's very interesting to see a very Colombian vision, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Cool. Any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, I would watch the second half of this movie again. I would skip the first half and just 
try for the second because I feel like I, I do think that it, it, the to me the most interesting aspect of this film was the inclusion of the black character. Um, I do think that there was a lot of really accurate prejudice exhibited towards him. I, I I'm not saying justified because it's it's also difficult to see whether in 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 this context whether they're like critiquing it or not right but i did think that it, it did a good job of showcasing how the white passing or uh-huh. mestizo soldiers kind of use the black soul like first off they would call him a derogatory name yeah. i don't i don't know if you caught up on it but they did yeah and two they, <laughs> i'm not they, the most worldly person but i got that one. okay cool yeah, yeah i'm not i had to explain Although that I today sure. i had it, to explain it today to my class actually okay. so yeah. i wasn't sure yeah it's it's um yeah, anyway, so... There, and, and the indigenous person, too. Yes, right? there, there's yeah. also an indigenous person, too. So I, I did... Those, to me, were the most interesting aspects of the, of the film. Yeah. Which I'm not sure if that's a great thing to say when you're trying to make a horror film, but to me, those were the really, really interesting aspects of it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, are you ready for our last one? Yeah, I love the last one. I can't wait to talk about okay, it. Okay, so next up is Aterrados. No tiene que tener sangre en las manos, no en este lugar. A estos seres les gusta la sangre. So that was a bit of aterrados also known as Terrified. So it was made in Argentina. This is an Argentinian film. It was made in Argentina in 2017, but it actually only started making its U.S. festival waves in 2018. And when it did start making those waves in 2018, so last year, it was a huge hit. So Argentina has a very well-developed cinema they have many Argentinian exports, especially in genre cinema. So I chose this one because this one right now is probably going to be one that we're going to see very soon, very relevant in the genre cinema. And I, I will say, I don't know if I really liked this film. I don't really know if I liked any of these Man, films. Man, what's up with that? I know, I know. But I will say, I do think that this was one of the most unique films I've ever seen. Oh, cool. So I am really interested to, I'm going to tell you more information about mm-hmm. it going on. But just really quick. It is about some paranormal investigators basically investigating a lot of weird occurrences happening in Buenos Aires. That's kind of a really simplified version yeah, of it. Yeah, it almost seems like it's going to be a haunted house story at, That's at one the thing. Point. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. 
I had no idea what this film was going to be literally until the last minute. And even in the last minute, I was like, I still don't know what this film was trying to be. But I will admit that, you know, and, and especially in American films. You when when you get into that okay paranormal investigator okay the a ghost killed this person but this person's still alive obviously that person's gonna be blamed for it uh-huh. you know where it's gonna go yeah and every single time that I thought I knew where this film was gonna go it didn't go that way and honestly I feel like that's a, a compliment yeah yeah I I think a lot of international films that's one thing I get out of them is that you can't predict them as easily right yeah and and one another thing that this movie does that many others i'm finding do too is that you can't even predict who the main character is going to be yeah i don't i still don't know who the main character yeah. was in this film actually I, I think i think i think it was the cop maybe it was, i mean yes it was yeah but, but it's weird well it's not weird it's because the cop didn't we choose him from the beginning exactly because yeah. i was about to say the cop we don't really get involved with him until like the 40 minute mark right. and then even then you're not sure if you're going to stick with him you get stuck with him because some things happen and you're like, well, this is the only guy, you know, yeah. that I guess we're going to be hearing about. I, I was, I think they do. I think the choice was made because it makes it a little more about the terror, the yeah. monsters. Yeah. Uh, rather than just one, one man struggle versus right. everything. So right. I can see where that choice um, makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, and that, that's, that's one part about it. I thought another interesting thing about the whole cast was that, there's a couple cast, pretty important people in this movie who are probably over 60. Yeah. And for a movie to have main characters who are not just, you know, 20-something, 30-something, yeah. you know, hot paranormal investigators, which I don't think there's any hot paranormal <laughs> investigators. Um, and yeah, to have real serious characters... Um, I thought that age diversity was something that I actually don't see a lot of. And I we thought, don't. yeah, I thought yeah. that was cool. I thought that was really cool too. Um, I will tell you uh, before we get too much into it, just because this is related to it. This film did so well that Guillermo del Toro is re- is remaking a-, a production of it. He's producing it. Right. But the same director is directing it. Yeah. So they're uh, placing it in America, English remake. They brought in an English uh, speaking screenwriter. Okay. And I will say I am very intrigued to see what that's going to look like. I definitely think especially because it's the same director uh-huh. i definitely think first off i want to say something and this is absolutely a huge compliment i jumped quite a few times during this film and i think the creature design was kind of weird in a good way like i it, it was kind of goofy in some respects but i'm specifically thinking of a scene when the person walks out of the house and the guy's in the car you remember that scene Mm. towards the end okay when he's leaving the house okay do you remember that i'm trying to picture it okay i i took a video of that scene to Uh send to my best friend because it horrified me really yeah there was there was another scene that similarly i thought was so brilliantly done and it's where a guy is looking out of a window. Yes, that was yeah, the other one. Was I was one. it was so bad because I was actually text I was texting her while I was watching that. Yeah. And I was like, man, this film was so weird. I don't know what's gonna happen next. And then that that thing happened. Yeah. And I lit- I dropped my phone. I was like, yes. What? Oh yes. no. I, I you know, it's actually kind of it's just funny, you know, especially seeing so many horror films that we do, you always wonder, you know, uh, what's 
how's it going to scare me next? What's going to be the next thing that scares me? And it's really interesting just to see, like, there were some jump scares that you could have predicted, which is fine, you know, like, sometimes they're still effective. But that was an example of one where I really, I, you think that the scary thing is not what's about to happen. And I think that that was very effective. And I think it's obvious. And, And like I said, this film has an intersection of many different horror tropes that is going to be super interesting to see what an American remake does. Yeah. Um, I just don't know what they're going to do differently or different enough. I, I think it was so well executed, such a good concept, executed pretty cleanly. It's under 90 minutes, which is like my absolute movie sweet spot. Yeah. Um that it's one of those things i don't think it needs an american remake i don't think so either so what are they gonna do i don't know i don't think so chloe grace moretz stop it it's the only thing they could do i don't shut up (laughs) i don't think so i i agree i agree that this film stands and and a large reason i think out of all the films oh you know no i'm not gonna do that it's not a comparison but i do think again even though this film there's nothing in it that screams like argentina 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 i do think its setting is so specific to Buenos Aires. A couple things. There is an incident where a kid is playing soccer. And I mean, you could play soccer in America, but as soon as I saw the soccer ball, I was like, oh, of course this is Argentina. So that was another instance. Another instance is the way that these houses are set up is very specific to how Buenos Aires is set up. I don't like if I try and think of like an American landscape, like I don't because like all of the houses, they they shared walls, they shared uh, yards. You can kind of find something like that in America. But I mean, the fact that it was Buenos Aires, the effing capital was also kind of significant because you kept getting these really legitimate. What I really liked about this film is that there were really legitimate like police forces i guess or investigative forces that really had to reckon instead of doubting the the story yeah they had to be like they're telling the truth how do we solve this okay. i really like the logical aspect of this film yeah and the more that i think about it i think maybe i liked it i hey. do think i do think it kind of i i just i really liked how different it was yeah I, I, and I Which didn't, is hard to do. How do you is. do that? How, How do you do, you do that? that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I definitely think, if anything, out of all the films that we've seen, it definitely was the one that had the most effort. You could definitely... And it was interesting, actually, when I was listening to an interview right before we did this, uh-huh. he said that he was dealing with his grandmother dying, you know, while making this. He was on set and in the hospital and everything. So it seems like he was really stressed while making Going it. Some stuff, yeah. But you could... It, it really just seemed like... In a way, I I don't know if I would call this a fun film. Would you call it a fun film? Uh, yeah. Anything under 90 minutes that gets you some jumpy scares. That's Yeah. yeah for me I, it was I don't fun. think it's funny per se, but oh, it's not def- funny. Yeah. No, it was fun. Yeah, for but me. it definitely I, I, I agree with Clinton here. I do think that usually when we say, you know, oh, that horror movie is fun. It's usually because, you know, there's like some levity to it or whatnot. But I definitely think that this is just a ride for a ride especially if you're a genre enthusiast it's also really easy to find it's on amazon through a shutter subscription if you're in spain if you're in spain like some of us were it was actually on netflix in spain i'm pretty sure it's probably on netflix in south america too yeah but you know what isn't seen senos no ipad iso 
season you know that first whole run do you watch that i am trying to i that's actually really hilarious that i mentioned it it's my forever show i i can always go back to it oh no uh, because i can never finish it because there's so many episodes but <laughs> we're getting a little off track but coming back to yeah, track sorry. because i do want to mention one thing about this movie yeah tell me it starts off with a really if you're squeamish the first death in this movie is i think pretty is, intense yeah it's i because it's so long it doesn't stop yeah. and i thought after the first one i was watching this on the plane and on my little ipad or whatever and i had to kind of cover the screen with my hand <laughs> not only for other people but also for me it was just it was pretty pretty brutal but it makes you it kind of makes you not sure what you're getting into and I appreciate. Yeah, you I, can. I, I I can guarantee you guys. You watch that first death scene. You still don't know where it's gonna happen. Yeah, and I appreciated that it didn't. It it didn't go back to that brutality too much. It just kind of set a tone, and then I was actually kind of scared too. Yeah, I will say this film is actually very specific to the gore it shows. Uh, you as, as he said, you start off with a really brutal scene, and I kind of. This is maybe not the most fair assumption, but if something's on Shutter, I always assume that it's going to be pretty extreme. <laughs> yeah. But actually, no. Every single there there's score in this film, but every single time that it happens, I'm always shocked by it. Specifically, I'm thinking about the kitchen scene. Okay. You remember the kitchen scene with the American? With the American? Uh, no, I remember the American. Okay, yeah. So there's a kitchen scene where something happens uh -huh. and you really don't think that's about to happen because yeah. they're talking about something, they're doing something, and then this specific thing happens. And and I, I was always like, what? And then especially later on towards the end with the older woman, that scene. Yeah. Okay, you remember that scene? No. Okay. But I was, remember the older woman. <laughs> I remember the, the older woman. And Did it, something happen? And then you were like, what? I, I, yeah, I gasped. <laughs> I gasped. Yeah, no, okay. this film really is i i will say i again i'm still kind of trying to decide but i do think it was really well made mm -hmm. for what it is yeah absolutely and i'm 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 excited for the remake i don't think it needs to be remade but the fact that the same man is making it right that's pretty cool huh um yeah yeah because yeah. he it's hasn't yeah he he wrote the original script but he doesn't know enough english to do the rewrite so i just i hope that i i, I hope that it works out for everyone because yeah. I honestly, I think if this film is marketed the right way, if it's made well, this could be one of the films that changes the horror genre a bit. Now, do you think that they set, do they set it in the U S or do they set it? Oh, they're going to set it in the U S absolutely. Okay. Okay. Though again, there, there is an American character in this. And I actually kind of like the idea of them calling in outside sources. So I wonder what they're going to do with that. Yeah. Um, and also I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know if, if, they're going to be hype about a bunch of old uh, people right. mainly that starring in it. That definitely get changed. I, I think that might get changed too. I thought the cop was hot. I don't think so. But I but he Brutal. did kind of have like a Javier Bardem kind of yeah. gruff to it. Yeah. So yeah. When it started focusing more on him, I was like, all right, yeah, this is cool. He's cool. Yeah. 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 No, this film is definitely effective. Absolutely. I, I highly, out of all the films that we saw today, I definitely recommend this one the most. Um, And I mean, it's the most recent, so it, it's not that dated. The other ones are a bit dated, but this one really, I think it's going to hold up for a while. And I definitely... Um, looking forward to see what they do with this remake. 
you know, I think, um, and, and I mean, at this point, you put Guillermo del Toro's name on anything, and it just like it's fire. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. One thing I wanted to mention specific to Argentina. So you know, we talked about Argentina had very similar history. Um, like I said, they had a golden age and then it fell apart during the dirty war and whatnot. And then in 1983, it was revived. But Argentina's film industry is so, um, prolific that they have. So this film, by the way, was funded by the government. That's a fun fact. Second off, in 2014, Argentina wanted to become so renowned in its, in its diversity of film that it specifically set up a government fund for horror films. Whoa. In 2014. So because they wanted specifically the president of the film fund, uh-huh. who is a woman, actually. Hell she yeah. said, yeah. She said that she wanted Argentina to not only be known for its dramas, but also be known for its genre cinema. And when I found that, I thought that that was so beautiful. Boss. Because yeah, I awesome. think, yeah, I think that's really, you know, and again, there's nothing in this film that I can say, oh, yeah, that's tied to Argentine history or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that is how authentic voices are. I put it and, and you know he himself he said that he was very influenced by American films and I think you can see that in this film but again you never the fact that they're in Argentina is actually very much tied to the story and I think that it's a great thing I mm-hmm. think that that it gives the film such a wonderful tone I agree yeah yeah I, I would definitely watch this again and that's like the highest compliment I could pay to a movie I would the watch highest. it again and in a different circumstance, yeah. Like I couldn't watch it. Like just me watching it again at yeah. home. I don't think I would. I because I would kind of anticipate everything. But I think if I were to watch this with someone else, it would actually be interesting because I would want to know what they thought of it. Because that's actually what I feel now. I, I I was really excited to sit down with you and talk about it because I'm just kind of like there was so much going on in this film. Even the ending, you're just kind of like. What what is this film trying to say? Mm-hmm. And I think with these films, we're trying not to be too spoilery, so we're not gonna get too much into the details of it. But I do think that there are a lot of ideas. I think the only reason why I may not like it is that there are too many ideas going mm-hmm. on. But unlike some films, it's not really like plot hole central. It's more like, oh, okay, so w- w- what what? As you said, it's almost like the main character in this film. Are, is just the terror. Right. Because they take so many manifestations. Aterrado dos. Aterrados. Aterrados. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts? Um, on was, anything. I on mean, this anything? Is, yeah. Um, was the squad, was that funded by multiple governments? I think so. Yeah. Yes, I because, was like, wow, this is like a ta- collaboration. Yeah. And yeah. that actually, that actually happens often. That happens often where they'll get like a Spanish producer gone through an Argentine company, but it's going to be directed by a Colombian and it's wow. going to be set in Colombia. Uh, that happens often. Actually, you know, it's funny. I made my kids this weekend watch Celia. Your kids, you have children. <laughs> my Spanish kids. So I have uh, four Spanish students. They're probably never going to listen to this. I think they hate me. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have a new Spanish class. Okay. Um, they're they're a bunch of ladies, and I ladies. made them watch Celia, uh, the Celia Cruz telenovela. Oh, right, right. And looking into details on that, it's like a Spanish production, but it's set in Cuba 
But the actors, even though they have really great Cuban accents, I looked them up. They're Puerto Rican. Okay. And I, you know, it, but that's just really how it is. Yeah. That, that's really how it is. It's that much mixing. Of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because it's very rare that one country can fund something completely. Hmm. And a lot of times, it, like in the case of Bolivia, it'll be like, yeah, these are Bolivian filmmakers, but we want to tell a Spanish story, like a Spain, Spain set story. Right. One of the most famous, um, film i think it, this was a guatemalan film like there was a guatemalan film that was making the runs for oscars last year but it was again about a colonizer story yeah. and i always think that's it's just a little weird for me i, I get it yeah i mean i'm just thinking it through as you're saying this and it if i was if i was a filmmaker in a country like guatemala i might have the idea of setting a movie in spain or the u.s right. or somewhere else might be like way better like escape yeah. you know escape escapism and yeah. also just the market like if you want to be a successful yeah. movie director you know you want to yeah. make something well that, that that's the assumption right but yeah. again i come i go back to our thesis especially when we go through the because this is our first try we're going to go through this again um it is so important for us to highlight stories made by people from these countries that are being told stories from these countries whether they're influenced you know by celtic mythology mm -hmm. or if they're influenced by the exorcist as long as it has a voice that ties it to the country i think that that's what matters yeah and again i i agree with you that i do think there is definitely like this fever dream you get this money and you're like okay i need to tell a film that's going to play everywhere so it has to be about everywhere else but my country and i think that's a mistake a lot of the time i do think that it is time to hear the stories directly from these countries because we haven't had the chance we haven't had the chance a lot a lot of times because of political intervention and, and that's really the case in a lot of these the these these industries were affected by political intervention the same way that political intervention is being affected right now in south america through this administration's actions so i know that we rarely get too overtly political here but a large reason why i wanted to do this is that this is a really easy way for you guys to see how, you know, real world events affect creative industries. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I think you did a good job with that kind of breaking down the different um, military occupations, you yeah. know, when, and how that that affected film. Yeah. Industry. A lot of the I, I don't think I said this, by the way, um, a lot of the military occupations in Argentina and Colombia around that time were actually uh, funded by the United States, specifically Henry Kissinger. So uh, things to look into if you're interested. Yeah. Any so any final thoughts on our thing? Are you excited? Um yeah, oh, of course. I'm I'm always excited. Yeah. What do we got next? What are we talking about next? So I gave Clinton a few options because we're getting to the point where, you know, we kind of have our wheels underneath each other and it's just kind of like, okay, cool, we can like talk about anything. What should we talk about next? And we chose Korean horror. Yeah. So, you know. The biggest, my biggest influence in doing this podcast, we're finally going to dig into a couple. I think I'm going to make you watch four films. Four. We'll talk. Okay, great. Four, I think. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Is one of them The House? That's Japanese. Damn. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> oh, so good. Sorry. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll do House when when we do, because that, that one's iconic. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll probably, yeah, I'll probably do one by decade, maybe. I don't know. Oh, I'll have okay. to think about it. Yeah. yeah. Just because Korean horror, Korean and Japanese and Thai 
or like they're in Chinese and Hong Kong. They're so dense, like like the histories of these cinemas Unlike Latin America, they're just so dense. Oh, so right. um, I'm very excited. You'll see us uh, probably in a few weeks. Um, again, write, subscribe, write, write, sure. Write right. is a letter. We do have a website that you're more than welcome to leave feedback on. But yes, no, rate, subscribe. Yes. You know, uh, we appreciate you. Yeah, just keep listening. We're going to keep these coming out on a schedule, right? Yeah. So two weeks, one week, what are we doing? Yeah, two weeks. So yeah, so in yeah. about two weeks, there, there will be one. We, we'll probably do a quick little special pod on Knife and Heart. Oh, yeah. I really, I, I think we're going to love it. I, I don't see how I could not love it, but... You never know, I guess. I don't know. After today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. I think it's time for us to go find food. Do we have a tagline for this show? Like, no, we don't. Uh, or like an outro? We don't. We we're always just one. like, we're just like happy just like, to be together. Yeah. And fo- oh, follow us. Follow hands. us. So I'm at Gostaina. Gostaina. Uh, I'm at Clintopeel. Yeah. And if you guys want to think of a tagline for us, go for it. Because... My cat just settled in right next to us, and I just want to hug her now. Oh. Oh. Okay. Well, from <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. I got no tagline. Um, but I will say, horror spirit, we are horror worldwide. I like that. I mean, you know, something around. It's lines. very Walter Concrete, though. We are rolling off from horror, horror spirit. Horror worldwide. We are horror Walter worldwide. Concrete. <laughs> Next time on okay. 60 Minutes. All right. Adios, mi gente. Bye.